Welcome. How y'all doing? Good. I love your smiles. Thank you. Even though I can't see them, I know there's a few out there. Hey, I want to just give a real quick shout out. This week we had VBS, uh, and I'm telling you what, it was the most phenomenal. Just a bunch of kids got to experience great things. CP and Amy, I know they're not in here, they're working with our kids. And our other leaders, children leaders, y'all did a fantastic job. If you worked and volunteered, I want to just say thank you. I just saw amazing. Please let them know. Yeah. Great job, y'all. Just serving God that way is awesome. So um, I've looked forward to this message and dreaded it at the same time. Whew. When we looked at our summer schedule and this series, When God Seems, my heart was just drawn to this idea of when God seems unfair. And I was so honored that Pastor John would let me come and share this. And about two and a half years ago, I have a friend who was starting a website that he did legacy videos. And uh, I've known Brian for a while, and he asked if we could do a video on Brendan and myself, our story, how God worked in our marriage, what we were dealing with in cancer, our family history. And so uh, he did that. He wanted to put on his website for people to see what his you know, work looked like. So there was some really good stuff there. So uh, I took what was a 20-minute segment out of that video and condensed it down to a few minutes. But I did that because it really shares a lot of what this message is about today. And uh, be aware, it's a little choppy just because I was trying to condense a lot of material. So I'd like to open with this video and just let you see a little about, you know, I was just thinking earlier, this isn't about our story. Every one of you has a story. Your life matters. It counts. What counts more than our lives on this earth, though, is God's working in our story. What is his story in the middle of yours? And I, that is my hope and prayer today. So uh, take a look at this video. Um, after the Christmas holidays, I went to the doctor and found out that I had cancer. So The first of the year. And that was kind of a huge shock. It's something that I know that many, many people deal with, but you never think that it will be yours. We have no history. I said, I have a big God who's bigger than whatever you can tell me. And so he was kind of surprised. And um, he told me, and he said, are you okay? Is there anything I can do? And I'm like, no, I'm actually, I'm okay. It's kind of good to know what's going on because I hadn't known, and they'd been doing tests for weeks. So it was just... Um, from that moment on, there was just such a peace of the Lord in my inside of me that I never felt fear at all. Well, so. the doctor was talking to the wrong person. I wasn't okay. <laughs> you know, you work for 40-something years to have a great marriage, and you get there, and you don't want to lose that, and began to really think of what my life would be without her. And we all die. We all know that. And so... I didn't have that peace, and I wrestled with it. In my own spiritual world, I wrestled with the fact of, I know God is good, but how, how does it help God's reputation or PR to have this? And I wrestled with it for a couple days, and I finally just had to come to the place where I just said, look, God is going to be good no matter what. And this is an eternal thing. It's just not a temporary thing. 
And I, there was this moment of letting go and just saying, okay, God, whatever you have for us. Pastor John said, Brenda, what do you want us to pray for? And obviously you pray for the big miracle. But she was very specific and said. Well, the first thing I said is I would like to uh, get my appetite back because I hadn't been eating and I was really getting too skinny. <laughs> and I never thought I could say that, but <laughs> I really was. And so um, then I said, I would like my appetite back, be able to eat. I would like chemo to not make me sick. I would like the Lord to be glorified no matter what he chooses, the path that I go, and that I be healed. <laughs> Ultimately, that was what my, the big thing was, you know, for healing for, not just for me, but for my family. Positive, so. but she was positive because we have such a promise in God. And so she was able to really share that with so many people. And um, golly, I was, she was just amazing. I was overwhelmed by the fact that so many people reached out to us and helped us through this. And my friend would come to, the, to chemo with me every week, even if Terry was there or not. She was there when she could. And um, several of them came and sat with me. Um, I would get little packages left on my doorstep by people and um, meals brought. And there were so many people that reached out. And if I can say this without bawling, but when they first, people started reaching out to me and prayers going up, it was just showing me the love that God had for me. Um, it, I don't understand how that happened, but it was like God was directly showing me his love through all the people that was reaching out to me. I had never felt this love like that in my life, and it it changed me, and it it changed how I love other people, and it changed how I want to do things for other people as a hand from yeah. God. We don't know what the future holds, but we are at peace, and we know that God is good, and that we can trust Him. Well, we do know now. And there's just some solace in that. And you know that wrestling is where you just really come up with this feeling is, God, are you fair? This just doesn't feel right. It doesn't seem fair. And I understand that so well. And yet in the middle of this and in the middle of the heartache and the reality of this stuff, it has been a horrible, painful journey. But in the middle of that, I have learned so much about God. And I'm delighted to share that today. You know, when she passed, um, it left me with a lot of... Little simple questions. All right, let me share a couple of those with you today. How do you fold bed sheets with elastic that goes all the way around? <laughs> I, I tried. I did the laundry. I know how to do laundry. And she always did that, and I couldn't figure out how to fold that darn thing. I tried every which way. It is in a ball in the bottom of my closet. <laughs> I gave up. Why didn't we use paper and plastic tableware all along? Why does everyone think I now need a dog? <laughs> I've had more people come up, man, you need a dog. It's like I can barely take care of myself. That's, that's a little dog. Is it really wrinkle-free? Is it really self-cleaning? None of those are true, by the way. I know this is a dumb one, uh, but it's kind of funny. It's a question that's not important, but it's interesting in that 
for many years, it was a delight and a joy for me to take care of my wife in uh, the area of automobiles. And so many, many years ago, we've got this van that I still drive and love, but we bought that, and it was Brenda's uh, van. She loved it, and uh, eventually it got a little old, and I didn't want her driving around. We were living in Virginia, and she wanted to drive down to see the grandkids, and so I just felt it was important. She had a good car. And we had a good friend that owned a dealership there and gave us an amazing deal on a new car. And I felt good that she had something reliable, and then uh, we moved here. She had a little accident with that car, and, and man, it doesn't take much to total a car anymore. So uh, with that same friend, was able to get her a car, and I've always just loved taking you know, the old car and just driving it. It's just kind of fun. And so when she passed, I was like, you know, I just don't really have it in my heart to just keep driving her car. And uh, I'd always wanted a car growing up. My dad was in the car business, and I always thought, man, the most awesome car in the world would be a Cadillac. I just thought, wouldn't that be cool? And I was a little worried about it. Kind of, I thought, man, that's a little kind of pretentious. And then somebody said, Terry, you're living in Lone Tree. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's Beamers and Audis and Teslas and and I kind of felt, I think I felt good. I'm not sure. But anyway, I decided, and, and I got a good friend here in the church, Brian, who uh, helps get a lot of our staff cars. Uh, he's an auto broker and found a great deal on this uh, Cadillac. It's a, a year old, and I loved it. It's a big kind of big guy car. They, they said it's big daddy caddy, you know. And so I'm loving this car, and, and I haven't had a car like that. And so, I don't know about you, but when you get a car like that, are you, are you inclined to park way out? <laughs> so, I'm doing that. And so, here's my final question. Why in the world do people with 100 parking spaces park next to my new Cadillac in the end of the parking lot? <laughs> Why? Somebody help me understand that. I've got some anger issues, you can see. <laughs> well, most of you know quite well Brenda's story and... Uh, this journey, and it's been a really interesting journey. Uh, again, a lot I've learned about God, and one of the things that I really spent time doing was looking into Scripture at others that have suffered loss, and uh, I, I just am drawn to Job's story and what happened with Job, and I just began to read that and got more understanding, and I'd like to share some of that today. Here's a man who lost in one day his wealth, his livelihood, and his children. Imagine how you would feel if everything you had, except your spouse who said, curse God and die, she was still around. <laughs> I won't comment any further on that. Imagine how you'd feel, pretty wrecked. Well, that just doesn't seem anything fair about Job's story as you read that. What's fair about that? What's fair about a righteous man losing everything? Well, today I want to walk you through four steps that I've learned. And the first is this idea of loss. It's what we all experience. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've had a good life, man, for years. No problems, no issues, no crises, no tragedies. For many, many years, everything was good. Life was life. There's stuff that you deal with. But you know what? We didn't have a lot of heartache. And I was about a month ago walking through a parking lot. Remember, I parked way out. And I parked by a lot of cars. And there, I saw this car. And it had this bumper sticker that maybe a few years ago probably would have put on my car. It said, life is good. And I looked at that and I said, no, it didn't. No, it isn't good. I'm a pastor. I'm a widower. I'm a father of kids who lost their mother. 
and I just realized life isn't good. I'm here with people that have lost something. They've lost a job. Maybe they've lost their belongings. Maybe they've lost a marriage. Maybe, like me, they've lost a loved one. And we have to be honest today and just say life isn't good. Life is hard. It is confusing. It is painful. We lose our health. We lose so much in this world. And I'm not being a pessimist. I'm not being negative. But I really want to point out the idea that we lose in this world that we live in. And I guess I had the idea that, man, I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm serving God. I'm doing my best to love Jesus with all my heart. I'm doing my best to live the way I should be living. And there's this subtle little bit of lie that just says, hey, because I am a believer in Jesus, I'm insulated from loss. Boy, that got blown out of the water. And there's a part of my theology that had to wrestle with that. Jesus was very clear in John chapter 16. I've told you all this, and he was talking about all the things they were going to go through, that you may have peace in me. And here's what he says. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. Anybody here relate to that? But take heart because I have overcome the world. So in this process, in these steps I want to talk to you about, I just want to make it clear. We have loss. But what do you do with that? Well, in our understanding or trying to figure out what's fair, what's not fair, what's God's doing, what God isn't doing, we come to this place where we want to learn. We want to understand. We want to learn, and in doing so, we want to learn what we know about God. And almost every weekend, we talk about here about God, and we want us to learn, uh, all of us here together in our weekends and in our studies about God. Pastor John mentioned uh, uh, early in this series about our perceptions of God. And there's no doubt in my mind that across this auditorium, whether you're listening online or at a campus, every one of you have different perceptions of God. And when you come to that time of loss, that perception is what you will look through that lens and see your loss as. That's going to create for many of us this idea of God being unfair. Now, in what we know about God, what I stood, uh, understood about Job came really clear. Let me share some things that uh, every now and then in my life, I get a God download that just blows me away, and I'm excited about sharing this today. At first, in the story of Job, he was in so much pain, he'd lost his health, he was in pain, he'd lost everything. It says he was scraping the sores with broken jars. And his friends came upon him to comfort him, and I don't know what that, but I just think there's a little bit of me that they saw the condition that he looked in and was shocked, speechless. Well, the Bible says that they just sat down with them, that they didn't say anything. And I want to jump in on that. Every time in our life when someone has a dramatic, painful loss, it is just our inclination. It is our desire to help comfort. And we're stuck because we don't know what to say. And I want you to know today, it is okay not to say anything. I remember when I was going through this, and that was really troubling. And I remember I was standing over here couple from our group, Bill and Amy Pearson. They came over, they put their arms around me, and they just stood there. And I just could just feel just peace. They said, we don't have any words for you. I said, you don't need any. This is the best moment I've had. I was sharing some of this story of Job in Virginia about a month ago. And after the service, a 73-year-old man came up. His family condition isn't good. He recently lost his wife. They had a lot of troubles, and he was feeling guilt, and then his, him and his daughter were at odds, and he was broken. 
He was broken. And he just came up and he stood in front of me. He just stood there. And I knew what he needed. He didn't need another pastor's word. I'd preach the sermon. And I'm just this big old guy and I put my arms around him. His head came right about there. And he sobbed the biggest sobs and tears you could imagine. He heaved in his sobbing. I just wouldn't let go. The first time since he'd lost his wife, somebody shut up and just gave him what he needed most. And that's just someone to understand that we can just love you by holding you. Please, I want you to know, sometimes if God gives you a word, that's okay. But, you know, you, you'd just be surprised how many words that you get in these kind of things. And you know people are struggling to say something. And honestly, in our Grief Share program, we got some folks that are in that here today. They go through one week of people saying dumb things. <laughs> and I won't share those things here today because some of you have said them. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. But after a while of sitting there, the urge just kicked in. The desire to just say something about what we know about God to help people kicked in. And I've paired literally chapters of each of these friends down to their theme down to their one theme and their one view of God. And you're going to find this interesting. Eliphaz, his idea and understanding of God is that everything of loss and suffering and things that are unfair, it's all about God's purpose. He said suffering has to do with justice or correction. He says justice is there to teach us a lesson. Correction is God working in your life to make you better. I don't disagree with that, do you? And then there's Bildad. Bildad is that person and represents those people that come in the middle of your loss and say, you reap what you sow. And they're talking to Job and they're saying, he's saying, Job, Job, if you do the right things, you're going to get God's blessing. If you do the wrong things, you're going to just suffer loss. You're going to have pain in your life. And in all of Bildad's advice, he just kept coming across this thing. Hey, Job, evil people get what's coming to them. Something bad happens to people because you deserve it. Now, I know you may not have said that, but I know I've thought that before. I've seen situations and I thought, well, you know what? They're kind of reaping what they sowed. And that is a true understanding of God, isn't it? And then there's Zophar. Zophar is probably, I'm going to have to say this, that religious legalistic person that we all know. His idea is punishment. His idea is God is just and holy, and you should be punished for whatever you've done. Now, Job, I don't know what you've done, but you must have done something. And he's talking about this legalistic defender of God's truth, and there's absolutely no compassion in Zophar. And he's saying to Job, Job, you deserve this, so here's the deal. If you'll just repent before God and get back in line, you're going to have a good life again. And I think there are people like that that actually feel a little bit of joy when they can give that message. Because at that point in their life, things are good. The last one, Elihu. Uh, scripture says he was the youngest. He'd been sitting there. He was probably the modern version of a, a millennial. I love millennials. I'm not, you know, he probably, though, lived in his parents' basement because he couldn't afford rent. <laughs> playing you know, video games, I don't know. But no, really, Elihu is that one that comes with a word from God. 
Elihu is that super spiritual person. And he says to Job, hey, Job, wisdom comes from the spirit. He's in that kind of spiritual thing and says spiritual things. And he says, so, hey, because it's all about the spirit, Job, nothing we do really matters because it's really about God and up there and all that's going on. And he's saying to Job, God is God and you're not hearing him. You're not tuned into the spirit like I am. Now, I know those people are here today in different ways, and I've experienced all of those in my life. I've been every one of those people, and I get that. But what I got out of Job this time that I've never got is this idea that we all come with this understanding of God, and it's in that perspective we approach our loss and our pain, and we're limited to that view. The last here that we want to talk about is Job. As simple as I can tell you, Job was in the predicament and suffering and the loss because he was good. Everything that his friends said were not really true. Job was a righteous man. And so what did Job think? What is his perspective of God? He says, this must be a test. Like gold through a fire, God must be testing me. And he just never heard from God on that. And you know what Scripture tells us? Eventually he just said, I give up. I don't understand God. Every one of us, I pray, will come to a time in our life where we can just be honest enough and say, I give up. God, I don't understand you. I just don't get this. It seems unfair. I don't understand it. But God, I just give up. I don't understand. So what God finally then in that moment responds and he says to Job, I am God. I am bigger than you could ever imagine. My world is more complex than you could ever realize. But Job, I want you to know I am real. I am amazing. I am powerful. And I care. And Job, you may not know it now, but I'm a good God. And that was the message in the book of Job. What can we learn? The reality is, is folks, we know so little about God. We're in the same boat as Job and his friends. We just know so little. I was having a Starbucks meeting this week, and this is really sad. Um, uh, it was a great, and it was like another bit of those God just thoughts come. And I tried to find a road map. Now, if you're young here, they used to take maps, and they put them on paper. And the purpose was you could open them up and follow a freeway or roads and get to where you're going. And then they would make them and fold them like a maze. And you'd say to your kids, hey, let's see if you can fold this. So for three hours, your kids are trying to fold that, and they shut up. It's really nice. <clears throat> so what I want to tell you is this. We were just talking about our on-ramps to God, our paths in church, our, our abilities to belong and be a part of what God is doing. And uh, my friend Tom held up the paper, and and he held it up this way, and he says, you know, we just see our map from here. And all of a sudden, I had this amazing thought. You know, uh, if you looked out at a horizon, statistically, if it's a flat horizon, you could only see three miles away. Now, I know with mountains and Colorado and stuff like that, it's different. But if you're on a beach or a desert and there's no other higher uh, uh, things, you can only see literally three miles. And I'm thinking about that, and I'm thinking, okay, 
God doesn't seem fair. I don't understand him, but I'm telling you, I'm sitting here, and I'm only seeing three miles ahead. That's all I can see. But here's what I want you to see. God is seeing the whole map and the whole picture. And we're stuck with our three-mile view wondering, where is God? And God all along is saying, hey, down this road, I've got something for you. This will make sense. You'll understand more. And if you're here today and you're in the middle of a tragic loss or a heartache or a brokenness or a difficult situation and you can't see what God is doing, let me tell you, he sees, he knows. But here's the reality. The truth is we just don't have the capacity to understand God. And in all the message of Job and my experience, it just shows us that even in our best efforts of theology and Bible and trying to understand God, let's just admit, we can't. We just can't. Scripture says, my thoughts are nothing like yours, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything that you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So what do we do? I'm telling you, if we can't understand, what do we do? I've really come to this conclusion that knowing is never going to be enough. I've counseled too many people through heartache where they just say, I don't understand God. Where is he? What is he doing? And no matter what I tell them, it's never enough. And maybe you're here today feeling that. So it leads us to our third point, which I think is the most important point today. Love. It's who we know. It's who we know. Now, I, I don't know if you've done this. I remember as a young father, my children were elementary age, and, and whether it be on a playground or in a pool, as a parent, I remember standing there, and they're on the edge of the pool, and, and they're just scared to death. In my day, we didn't have floaties, so kids were on their own. And so here we are on the edge, and I'm in the pool, and I'm saying to my child, jump, jump. And they're just hesitant, but why did they jump? They jump because I'm their dad, and I love them, and I'm not going to hurt them. Now, if some weird person was standing there saying, kid, jump, they're not going to jump. God is saying to us, reaching out, saying, jump. You may not understand. You may not be able to figure me out. But let me tell you, I know you. I love you. I care for you. And that step of faith and trust just says, jump. And I've had to do that many times in the last few months. I've had so many questions, so many things that I've struggled with, and so many good things of people really trying to help me get through that. But to the end of the day, I had to come back to this idea of jump. Because in this world, we have loss. In this world, we're limited in our understanding of God. And because of that, we have fear. And the only way to overcome that fear is to know that we are loved by God. Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. And I just will tell you, that's how I get through and that's how you can get through. Our love for God should be so strong that we would rather follow him into a painful situation than live in comfort without him. Earlier, you saw Brenda talk about how her life got changed. She loved the beach. She had this bucket and I'm not kidding you, she had it full of flip-flops. I don't know anybody that had more flip-flops. We had a healthy investment in flip-flops. And so 
when all these things began to happen with cancer and eventually her death, many of you sent many cards. While she was alive, she'd read them. She'd put them in her little flip-flop bucket. And over time, you could fill this bucket with twice. I want you to know, love isn't about our situation. It isn't about Brenda having cancer or dying. What that message of love is, is that you were Jesus in the words you wrote, in the hugs you gave, in the meals you cooked, in the money you gave. You were Jesus' love to us. And the message that Brenda changed her life was this idea of, I want to do more of that. I publicly want to thank you for loving us. In the middle of a horrible situation, we could never deny that we had more love and were surrounded in so many amazing ways. I would never want to go through this again. And I didn't like going through it this time. But I'm telling you, I've experienced God in his love, in him and through you. And I want to thank you for that. At the end of it, really, here's what it comes down to. God promises you two lives. There are those that think they know God and says that he promised you this amazing life with no problems, no difficulties. That's true at times. But that theology is out the window the first time you have someone with cancer or dies or a child dies or a terrible thing happens to you. Here's what God promises you. So let me finish with this thought. You see, at the beginning I said, life isn't good. And I think a lot of you probably agreed with me because you may be in a difficult situation. But maybe a lot of you were like me many years ago. Life is good. Life is good. Here's what I know. Life is not good. But what is good is God. And my life is good because of God's goodness. And so every day that I experience His goodness... My life is good. And we get this all messed up in this order. We think life is good and God's just this addition over here. No, life is not good, but when God enters into your life, he makes it good, no matter what you're going through. No matter how hard it is, he makes it good. I've had some very tearful, hard days. And yet in the middle of that, there was God just speaking to somebody who would just write an email with the very simple things of, I love you, hang in there, you'll get through this. Or something of a word from God that was just right on. The scripture says that whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. In just a few short weeks, we're able to go to Hawaii and to take Brenda's ashes. And it's because of the generosity of all of you. I will tell you, I'd have got there one way or another. This was her wish. It was interesting. We were sitting together, and the hospice doctor came to our house, and he's getting her set up for home hospice care. This amazing angel nurse that God sent that Brenda just fell in love with, and they, they literally, outside of nursing, were there every day just sharing life, a young mother. Such a blessing. And just, he's filling out his forms and asking questions. Do you want burial? Do you want cremation? And Brenda... I don't know, she was very uh, phobic about <laughs> enclosed places. I learned that when I was young, married, and I locked her in a closet. 
She wouldn't talk to me about a situation. And I said, I'm not letting you out of there till we talk. Well, I proceeded to hear things breaking <laughs> and uh, things coming through the wall. She was not going to stay in that closet. Oh, was I a dumb man. <laughs> but she told the doctor, oh, no, I'm not going to be put in a box. And I just laugh at that. I said, you'd rather be burned than in a box? She says, yes, I would. <laughs> and so in conversation, she said, what are you going to do with the ashes? And I had thought, and we had not talked about this, and I had thought, well, Brenda, I'd like to take my kids and to go to Hawaii because I know you love Hawaii. She started crying. This is her heart. What an amazing woman. She said, oh, I wanted that. And just in her knowledge of finances, and she just said, I didn't want you to have to go alone and do that. And I said, no, I'm not going to go alone. I'm taking our kids. And we're going to have the privilege and the honor of a ceremony there, a very special time, a closure. Looking forward, my kids are looking forward to that. Isn't that God's goodness coming down? So God says, then, I'm going to give you two lives. One on this earth, and it's called an abundant life. Scripture says, I have come, Jesus has came into our world that you may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance. <coughs> you see, what's clear about this verse and other scriptures is that our abundant life doesn't come through us. We kind of think it's an abundance life. The more stuff I have, the more of everything that I have is abundant. That's not what Jesus is talking about. What's clear is that abundant life comes from him. Jesus' definition of abundance is different than ours. It's more than the things of our flesh and the world that we strive so hard. The abundance life isn't what Jesus wanted. It's abundant life in him is what he wanted. <clears throat> now, I showed parts of that video because I wanted it to <coughs> excuse me, really set up who she became. God has done amazing things. The last five years of our life were really just amazing goodness of God. Five years ago, don't know what it was. We were in a marriage series, but God just did an amazing thing, and his grace filled our life. We couldn't have had more love and enjoyment of being together. Little did we know at that time. Looking back, I see that as a wonderful gift of God, that we could share that. Can I tell you what's so weird? Last five years of my life, They've been really hard years, but they've been the best years of my life. Why? Not because of us and what we're going through. It's because of God. Because of His goodness and His grace in our lives. And her transformation and desire along the way to honor God and to watch her face in her illness and the difficulties, three surgeries, several rounds of chemo, experimental drugs that were very painful, and to watch in the middle of that her faith and love in God increase. And through it all, her desire was to minister others and to bring honor to God. She's way much more spiritual than I am. Our hospice nurse, who literally a couple hours before she passed, was there treating some of her medical issues. And she was a dear saint of Jesus and came and was so much of a blessing to us. And I texted her after she passed, and she wrote this. And this is, again, to give tribute and honor to God because it's his abundance that created this. She says, Terry, thank you so much for letting me know 
and for letting me share this part of the journey with your family. It has been such an honor to witness the grace and dignity that you all have shown throughout one of the most trying times imaginable. God has been glorified in all of you, and especially Brenda. What an incredible woman of God. Please let me know when the service will be for her. I will try my best to make it. She puts in parentheses, if there's room for me, I know it will be packed. We will be praying for peace and comfort for your family. Give my deepest condolences to them. We are called to an experience in abundant life. Let go of your striving for this world and let God give you his abundance. And the last, we're called to experience eternal life. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. It was ironic, some of you know, but today is actually Brenda's birth date. And part of me was like, oh man, what bad timing. But then I thought, no, the best way I could honor her today is to just let you know that today she's rejoicing in the most amazing place and party you could ever imagine. And probably for the first time in many years, she's not worried about how old she is. <laughs> Tim Keller, one of the authors that I really enjoy reading, wrote, Why is it hard to face death or the death of a loved one? It's hard because we think this broken world is the only world we're ever going to have. But if Jesus is risen, then your future is so much more beautiful and so much more certain than that. You have eternal life because of Jesus. And if you're going through things and you're in this world and you're struggling and you don't know Jesus, I'm going to tell you the way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Now, I have a friend. He uh, is an artist, and he came to know Christ. An amazing story. His name's Robert. He was in uh, our church in South Carolina. Jake, you may remember Robert. He came. Uh, we were getting ready for a ministry called Alpha, and it's where you have a dinner, and it's, it's, it's God Questions. And uh, I was literally walking out the door of our little church. It was in a community center that we bought. And this guy pulls up in this uh, Firebird, just an old classic car. And he comes walking to me, toward me, and he says, hey, you got a minute. And, and I really didn't. And so I said, well, I'm going to the store. I got to get stuff for a meeting tonight. Why don't you ride with me? Well, he kind of looked at me like, are you a serial killer pastor or something? <laughs> But he hopped right in, and we just started talking. We went to the store, got stuff, came back, and talked for a while. I said, why don't you come tonight? And he came back, and he came back again the next week, and the message is, who is Jesus? And it gives people an opportunity to know Jesus in a personal way. And he came to know Christ, and it changed his life. Well, several weeks later in the Alpha program, there's a time of testimony. And I did not know it at the time, but Robert stood up and said, I looked in the yellow pages that morning, and I said, I'm going to go to a church and if they can tell me and help me, I won't kill myself today. Well, he's an artistic guy, and he saw what I thought was a pretty artistic ad. Most church ads are pretty dumb. <laughs> In the yellow pages. Now, young people, they used to have this book. <laughs> <laughs> and you had your ads in there. And we had this real cool logo and design, and he saw that, and he was drawn to that. How amazing is God? And at the right time, he pulls up to the building when I'm leaving, and he hops in the car, and he comes to know Jesus. And he's a really great artist with Photoshop. And so I got a chance to see him uh, a month ago, 
and he wanted to be a part of this message. And I said, you can help me. I want a visual image that's going to explain this whole thing. And so he put together this picture. I said, Robert, here's what I'm experiencing. What I'm experiencing is just this tumultuous river, this, this, this rushing river. And in the middle of it is my pain and loss and difficulty as a human, but coinciding is the water of God's peace, and they commingle and exist. And I don't understand how, but they're there. And I said, in this process, I'm beginning to learn. So I'm going to ask them to bring that up. All right, I'm going to get out of the way. So he's a great artist, and, and, and here's the water that's just really flowing. And over here, you begin to see the peace. And if you look real close, you see the image of God looking over this whole process. And we've got these stepping stones. And along the way, those stepping stones are everything that God gives us to get across that difficult river that we're facing at that time in our life. That may be a word from God. It may be his word that speaks to you. It may be people who pray with you. It may be people who did what they did for Brent and I and loved us. It may be so many things, but I want you to know that all those things represent a stone that you can step on, and eventually you get through that. And as I go through the Grief Share class, I'm encouraged again and again that you do get through these things, and you begin to have peace again. And so I want to finish with that idea. And I want you to know that you're going to experience loss in this world, and you're going to try your best to understand God, and it's never going to be enough. And God's going to say to you, trust me, jump. And in jumping, God's going to give to you in this life an abundant life and in the life to come an eternal life. And I want to encourage you with that truth today. Would you bow your heads? Father, today, this isn't a message that just comes from some good thoughts, but it's a message that I've wrestled with and a message that I've just come to understand through experience And I know that I'm not alone. And I know that there are people here today that are in the middle of this in their life. And I pray that they begin to see that in that rushing water, you are there. You are there. And you're providing for us the steps we need to get through to your peace. And I pray that for everyone here. I want to just ask, if you're here and man, life is rough. And you'd just like to know God's peace. Would you just lift your hand? Thank you so much. You may be facing a disease, a financial issue, a marriage issue, a family issue, and you just want God's peace, just raise your hand. Thank you. Lord, you see these wonderful folks and what they're feeling and going through. Lord, I pray, I pray God's best for them in this time. I thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.